Now, we're starting a new series on community called Life Together, Being a Christ-Centered Community. And the title of today's message is called Drawing Near to One Another. Drawing Near to One Another. I, I really feel an urgency to talk about what it means to remain connected uh, and to love well. Uh, our nation remains incredibly divided. We have trouble working through our differences. And it's often the case that we don't know how to remain together, how to share life together. And so this series is going to work on uh, multiple levels as we preach through it. On one level, this message and this series is for our congregation. Of course, it's for our congregation. Uh, even though we're not together as we're accustomed to being together, we are still a community and we want to still talk about what it means to live life together even though we are socially distanced. How do we relate to one another in the way of Christ? Whether that was happening in person or whether it's happening virtually, how do we relate to one another in the way of Christ? But on another level, this series is going to be for all all kinds of relationships outside of our congregation. And so whether we're talking about relationships at home, relationships at work, relationships in the neighborhood, how do we connect towards one another in ways uh, that are fueled and formed by the way of Jesus? Whether we're talking about parents and children, husband and wife, boyfriend, girlfriend, a dating relationships, your roommate, a friends, across the board, how do we as Christians live in the way of Jesus, cultivating life together? And so there's going to be plenty of application across the board. And what we're going to be looking at over the next few weeks, we're going to have a series for these five weeks, are themes along the lines like this here that we have on the screen. We're going to talk about conflict and forgiveness and things like differentiation and stability. Those words will make sense when we get there, but this is going to be an important series for us in a world that's increasingly tearing itself apart. How do we live life together? And so along those lines, I want to look at a passage of scripture out of the book of Hebrews chapter 10 today and give a big picture perspective on community. What is the call of the follower of Jesus and what is the call of the church uh, to follow Jesus faithfully as it pertains to community life. And so uh, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19 through verse 25, follow along with me on the screen or in your Bible. Feel free to take notes as you read along with me. Hear the word of the Lord. It says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain, that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. What I want to emphasize today, there is a wonderful logic here 
in verses 19 through 25, but I want to build towards verse 24 and 25. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. This message today, especially that, that where it says here, uh, not giving up meeting together is not about having perfect attendance at church. It's more about being the kind of community that makes it easy to draw near to. That's what we're going to focus on today. Let's pray together. Lord, open our eyes as we look to this text. Give us revelation. Uh, speak to us. Encourage our hearts. And may we be the kind of people uh, that others want to draw near to. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. A couple of years ago, I was in the San Francisco area with my family speaking at a church retreat. And it was situated in the Redwoods. The Redwoods is just this magnificent looking place with these trees that soar high some 200, 300, 400 feet into the air and to the sky. As I thought about these redwood trees, totally immersed in its beauty. A few days after getting to this retreat in San Francisco, I would hear a little bit of background about these trees. I would learn that these trees, although they soar high into the sky, did not have roots that went incredibly deep into the ground. Certainly they went deep, but not to the point where you would think they would go deep enough to have them soar that high. But what I learned was that these massive trees were part of an incredible root system, this massive root system, that these roots would extend some 100 feet and beyond to these other uh, roots and these other trees, and they would connect themselves to each other, so much so that in the strength of their connection, these trees were able to soar high into the sky. And as I thought about those redwood trees and thought about these root systems that, that make them what they are, I thought this is a perfect image of what it means to be in Christian community. That if we're going to have a life with God that flourishes, if we're going to have a life with God that soars, we must be a part of a strong root system consisting of different people in the body of Christ strengthening us to soar in our relationship with God. We need a root system. We must be connected to one another. And this is an urgent word for us today as a local church in New Life Fellowship and for the church across this world. Because what we're seeing in our day is instead of being connected to a root system, what, we see, what we're seeing increasingly is people moving away from one another. I'm not talking about simply ge geographically. In New York City, what we're seeing is that more and more people in light of this pandemic are leaving the city. But I'm not just talking about geography. Although that's sad that people are leaving the city, the more painful reality that we're finding is that people are moving away from each other relationally, away from each other emotionally, and consequently away from each other spiritually. While this is the sad truth of our world, that the world is increasingly moving away from one another, 
The church is to demonstrate something different. While the world is tearing itself apart, the church is to be the place by the grace of God that moves towards one another in grace, in love, in compassion, in mercy. But in this day, we have our challenges. The state of relationships and community life is deteriorating. Families that once gathered around the table have often converted these tables into walls because of our differences in politics, because of our differences in how we see matters of race, because of the differences in how we address some of the more difficult conversations in our day. The tables that we were accustomed to gathering around have become walls. And consequently, we find ourselves moving further and further apart from one another. As a pastor, this is perhaps the greatest source of anxiety for me in the calling that I have as a pastor. The pandemic that we're in has provided ample opportunity for people to move away from one another. On a regular basis, in a weekly basis, on a weekly basis, I'm always, always often thinking, are people connected? Are people moving towards one another? Because we don't have the kind of Sunday gatherings that could at least give us a little glimpse of the community life, I'm often wondering, are people moving towards one another in love or are people moving away from one another? And so I feel a burden to encourage us to move towards one another, to draw near to one another. And this is what we find in the book of Hebrews, an important word for our day. One of the repeated themes in the book of Hebrews is the truth that Jesus is better. And I want to make a connection here. At the beginning of the book of Hebrews, we see how Jesus is the fulfillment and the perfection of everything that we see in the Hebrew scriptures in the Old Testament. And so the writer of Hebrews begins by talking about Jesus being better. He writes that Moses was good, but Jesus, the true deliverer, is better. He says that the prophets were good, but Jesus, the true prophet, is better. Angels are good, but Jesus is better. The temple was good, but Jesus, the true meeting place between heaven and earth, is better. The priests were good, but Jesus is better. The sacrifices of the Old Testament were good, but Jesus, the true sacrifice, is better. This is the theme of the book of Hebrews. Jesus is better. Better than what? Better than everything. Your car might be good, but Jesus is better. Your house might be nice, but Jesus is better. Success might be good, but Jesus is better. But what was happening in the church was that even though Jesus was better, the Christians in that day kept going back to an old order of things. Although Jesus was the perfect sacrifice, they kept going back to animal sacrifices. Although Jesus is the true temple, they kept going back to the old temple to base their relationship with God. And so the writer of Hebrews is essentially saying, why are you going backwards? There's something better before us. Why do you want the older version when the new and perfect version is here? It's like, why are you going back to dial-up when you have Wi-Fi? 
Come on, you remember dial-up. It's awful. Why, why, why are you going back to black and white TV when there's HD TV? Why are you going back to your flip phone? No offense. When there is a smartphone before us, there's something is better. And the writer of Hebrews is using that kind of logic to talk about community life. In the same way that Jesus is better than everything that has come before, community life is better than being alone. And that's the connection that the Hebrew writer makes. We are called to something better. And what is that better? Jesus Christ and the community of Jesus Christ. And so the writer of Hebrews says, it is better to join your life to others in the presence of Jesus than to remain alone and separated from this community. And evidently, we don't know exactly why, but people were uh, uh, separating themselves from this community. They had a habit of not meeting together. And so in verse 24, we see these words of exhortation. He says, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. For whatever reason, the people in the church in that day did not see the need to be connected in community. They were fine with Jesus. They just didn't want to make time for the family of Jesus. They wanted God, but they didn't want people. And throughout the history of the church for over 2,000 years, we've seen this as a recurring perennial problem. In 2007, there was a book that came out by a guy named Dan Kimball called They Like Jesus, But Not the Church. And that is one of the themes throughout 2,000 years of church history. They like Jesus, but they don't like the church. This is what the writer of Hebrews is getting at, though. That to be in relationship with Jesus requires us to be in relationship with one another. And yet, some were in the habit of rejecting that. Now, in our day, it's a very similar situation. This is, again, not a new problem. There are many reasons why people avoid joining together in community, why we have a habit of not meeting. For some of us, the reasons why we don't meet together is because we have a lot on our plate. So much going on that we just, we just don't have the time or we don't believe we have the time to connect. For others, we just don't see the intrinsic value and need for community. For others, maybe you feel intimidated, wondering if people knew everything about me, would they accept me? And so there's so much fear that keeps people from community. There's often this fundamental disconnection, however, that people have in their relationship with God and their relationship with the family of God. It's, it's often the case that we have so separated our relationship with God from people, not knowing that you cannot have a relationship with God truly without having a relationship with people. This is, the, this is a simple but scandalous teaching that we see throughout the New Testament. That how do you love God? You love God 
not simply by praying, not simply by reading the Bible, all important things, and yes, that we show our devotion to God, but the essence of loving God is found in our connection and our love towards people. And so how do you know you love God? You love people. Now, this is hard for us because we just want a me and Jesus kind of relationship. I just want me and Jesus, but there's no me and Jesus in the Bible. If you're going to love God, it comes through loving people. And so we have to reimagine what community is. We need fresh language to help us understand what it means to be connected, what it means to connect our relationship with God to our relationships with one another, and it requires fresh language. It's along these lines that I think Parker Palmer, the great uh, Quaker author, can help us. He talks about solitude and community. And I'm going to read what he says about solitude and emphasize what he says about community. This is what he says about solitude. He says, solitude does not necessarily mean living apart from others. Rather, it means never living apart from oneself. It is not about the absence of other people. It is about being fully present to ourselves, whether or not we are with others. That's worth a whole sermon right there. That's really powerful. But what he says about community is incredibly powerful as well. He says community does not necessarily mean living face to face with others, a good word for us in a pandemic. Rather, it means never losing the awareness that we are connected to each other. It is not about the physical presence of other people. It's about being fully open to the reality of relationship, whether or not we are alone. But hear that. Community is never losing the awareness that we are connected to each other. And as Christians, this possibility of being connected to each other is made possible because of what Christ has done. What we see in Christ is this vertical and horizontal means of connecting us. Connecting us to God and connecting us to one another. And this is what chapter 10 in the book of Hebrews is all about. I want you to note the progression for a moment. Because you can't have one without the other. You can't have God without people. can't have people without God. For the Christian, these two things are intrinsically connected. In chapter 10, the writer of Hebrews talks about what Christ has done on the cross. And because he's, he's using temple liturgical language, he highlights the curtain in the Old Testament in the, in the temple that came down when Christ died. In the Holy of Holies, there was, a, there was a curtain that separated people in the temple from the most holy place. The people of God could not enter into that most holy place. Only one person could enter, the high priest, on the day of atonement. People could not have free access to the presence of God in the Old Testament. But when Jesus died, something happened in our relationship with God. The Bible says that when he died, the curtain, which was 60 feet high, 30 feet wide, and incredibly thick, was torn in two. And what it symbolized was we now have free access to the presence of God. Free access to the grace of God. We can come boldly. We can come freely. We can come with confidence into the presence of God because this is what Jesus has done. And so because Christ has died, we have access. And the word of encouragement in the book of Hebrews in chapter 10 is draw near to God. 
Come freely to God. You, sh- you should not be afraid of God. Look what Christ has done. He's showing us what God is like. He's made a way, a new way to get to God. And so come freely to God. Draw near to God. It's beautiful language. Come with confidence. Come without fear. Come without shame. Come into the very presence of God. And so the writer of Hebrews begins there. You can come to God. But when Christ died, he didn't just die for us to get to God. He died so that we can get to one another. And that's what I want to emphasize. Christ made a way for us to enter the presence of God. And Christ made a way for us to enter the presence of one another. The question for us as a New Life Fellowship community is what kind of community do we need to make this a reality? In Christ... The barrier has come down. But what kind of community makes it possible for people to draw near? What kind of individual is God calling us to become so that people draw near to us? What kind of church is God calling us to become increasingly so that people would want to draw near to us? This is what I want to close my message with. What kind of community are we to be? What kind of individual are we to be? The kind of individual and community that people want to draw near to. And so what does that look like? I want to give you two things that I see in this text here. What does it mean to draw near? What kind of community makes it possible, attractive, for people to want to draw near? The first thing we see is in verse 24. In verse 24, hear the language. He says, spur one another towards love and good deeds. Oh, let us consider how we may spur one another toward love and good deeds. What makes a community attractive? What makes an individual, who, uh, you know, a person that people want to draw near to? A person in community that spurs one another towards love and good deeds. Now, we live in a society that spurs one another on towards hate. It's very easy to spur people on towards hate. It comes naturally for us in our sinful nature. But we are to consider. That word consider means to give careful thought to the ways we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. The question for us is, are you the kind of person who is moving towards your neighbor in love and good deeds? Are you the kind of person that others want to draw near to? Are we demonstrating that in the way we live? This past week, I came across something posted on Facebook by a friend of mine named Jason Gabriel. He, he posted this quote from this famous preacher, Haddon Robinson, about three questions that get at the spiritual life. And I love these three questions. I was very convicted by it. The three questions are, do you love God? Do you love your neighbors? Do you mind if I ask them? (laughs) It's quite a provocative, convicting question. Do you love God? Yes. Do you love your neighbors? Of course I do. Do you mind if I ask them? Wait a second. Hold on a second. 
The people who live on your block, the people who live across the street, the people you work with, the people you go to school with, do you mind if I ask them? I think this gets at the, a good question for us to discern, am I someone who's moving towards my neighbor in love and good deeds? Am I the kind of person that people want to draw near to? And this is why we exist as a community, to move towards others in love and good deeds, to spur one another on so that people want to draw near to us. It's often the case that people want to avoid the church like the plague. But we want to be the kind of people that people want to move towards us. This is what I try to accomplish in my sermons. This is what I try to accomplish in teaching. This is what our community is all about, whether in teaching, preaching, whether in our CDC, whether in our small groups, that we want to be the kind of people who spur one, or one another on towards love and good deeds. When I see fellow new lifers passionate about serving the poor, passionate about preaching the gospel, passionate about having ministries of mercy and compassion, I'm spurred to love. I think about something that I saw just a couple of days ago. I received an email from Myrna Roden. Many of you know Myrna. She's on our pastoral team. Uh, Myrna is a legend at New Life. And Myrna sent an email from a woman who encountered someone from our community. The email said, I'm looking for a woman named Angelica. She found me crying on the sidewalk and sat with me and prayed for me. She is such a beautiful person and I wanted to possibly get in touch with her. She told me that she goes to this church and I'm hoping to find her again. Myrna received this email from this person and went on a search on the church database and found a number of Angelicas. And the Angelica who prayed for this person responded. And this is what she responded in her email to give some context to what happened. She said, Edward, her husband, and I had gotten our car inspected on the corner of Metropolitan and Woodhaven. And as we were driving away, I had to pull over because the GPS wasn't working when I saw a woman sitting on the sidewalk in the dark crying. I asked her if she was all right and offered to pray with her and told her she can find me at New Life Fellowship on Queens Boulevard if she ever needed anything. We prayed for her again last night. God is always on the move, using us in our brokenness when we seldom see it. I read that and I thought, I'm being spurred on to love. I'm being spurred on to good deeds. And this is what life together is about. Are we the kind of people, by the grace of God, that through our words and through our actions are spurring one another on? That's the kind of community that's attractive. That's the kind of community that people want to draw near towards. But there's another word that I want to give you, and then I'm going to pray for us. What kind of community makes it easy for people to draw near towards? One that spurs people on through love and good deeds, but also a community that's marked by encouragement. Encouragement. In this passage, it says that we are to encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Encouragement. Or is your life marked by encouragement? 
There are a lot of people in our day who are discouraged. We have discouraged people living in our homes. Discouraged people working in our companies. Discouraged people in our neighborhood. The question for us on this Sunday, on this day, is are we contributing to greater discouragement or is our presence one of encouragement? To encourage someone is to to hearten them, to, to, to speak life into them. To encourage someone is not just simply about trying to cheer someone up who's having a bad day. When I talk about encouragement, I'm not talking about simple cliches that really uh, are simplify and reduce the challenges of life to a, a Bible verse here and there. I'm not talking about encouragement in that way. For some of us Christians, we're really good at that. We see someone sad, we throw a verse at them and say, have a good day. I'm not talking about encouragement in that kind of a way. When I talk about encouragement, I'm talking about depositing life into someone. That we are a presence of life. A presence of of joy. we We are a prophetic presence in the best sense of that word. Heartening people in the midst of a very difficult world. To encourage is to bring words of life and not death. To encourage is to bring words of hope and not despair. To encourage is to, is to, to bring out the best in one another. That's encouragement. And what if you decided every morning to be that kind of person? An encouraging presence. You wake up in the morning and the first thing on your mind is, who can I speak life into? Who can I encourage today? Who can I speak a word of God over? Who, being sensitive to the ways and the leading of the Holy Spirit, what if we as a people of God woke up every morning not to say, who can, whose sin can I call out today? Not that, but to say, who can I speak life into? That's a kind of community that people want to draw near to. Because there's something about calling out the best in people, speaking life into them. What if on a weekly basis, on a daily basis, we are speaking to our children, catching them when they're doing good, and and, and affirming them, and encouraging them, and speaking life over them? I know what it's like to find my kids always doing something bad. They're going, what in the world are you doing? Pick that up. Why did you spill that? But what if we caught them doing good and spoke a word of encouragement to them? What if in our relationship with our roommates, in our relationships with our spouses, that we are waking up in the morning saying, what kind of word of encouragement, what kind of words of life can I speak to my spouse? Can I speak to my roommate? Can I speak to my coworker? Because when we speak words of encouragement, we're pulling life out of them. We're pouring it in and we're pulling it out. We find ourselves through our words motivating people in the best sense of the word possible. Rosie just did this for me a couple of days ago. A couple of days ago she called me and I was like, uh, I I didn't respond. And and I knew what she was doing, but it worked anyway. She started appealing to, to, to the strength inside of me. Something she, you know, the Bible says, you know, that the, you, faith is calling what's not and, and, and calling it into reality. She looked at me and she said, honey, I need your strength. I need your muscles. And for whatever reason, I heard those words and my chest popped out. I was like, yeah, what, what, what you need, babe? She said, I need you to move these boxes. 
I need your muscles. And all of a sudden, I'm throwing boxes all over the apartment. Do you need me to move the fridge, the stove? What else do you need me to pick up? She was speaking life into me. Sisters, this is a good word for your husbands. Call out those muscles in the name of Jesus. You'll find I'm picking up all kinds of bags and moving boxes. But that is the kind of community we're called to be, speaking life, encouraging, pulling out the best in us. It's off the, the sad truth about humanity is that we often wait until someone is dead before we speak good words over them. We wait till memorial services and funerals to say, you know, this person was a really good guy. He did this and he did that. But what if we anticipated that? What if we didn't wait before someone died to speak over them? to encourage them, to pour life into them. Not to be a person marked by cynicism and criticism, but to be marked by affirmation and encouragement. That's the kind of community that people want to draw near to. And the basis for us doing this is not some kind of moral code. The basis for doing this is found in gratitude towards God's grace. Why are we to be a people marked by encouragement? Why are we to be moving towards people in love and good deeds? For the Christian, it's actually very simple. Because this is what God has done for you. We move towards others in good deeds, not because we're trying to be a good religious person, but because this is what God has done for me. Therefore, as an act of gratitude, I'm going to move towards others. The Bible says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Hear, hear, hear this word. It's often the case that we wait till we find something we have in common with someone to draw near to them. We like something about their personality, their shared interests, and then we say, let's move towards that person. Let me draw near towards that person. And that's just basic humanity, what it means to be human. But what we find in the gospel is something much more profound. God moves towards a sinful world in forgiving grace and in compassionate love. He draws near towards us in Christ, forgives us, offers us salvation, a new future, a new heart, a new perspective, salvation, liberation. And it is out of that incredible means of grace that we are to now do the same towards others. At New Life, may we be a community that others want to draw near to. And may we be individuals that others want to draw near towards. And so may we be marked by encouragement. And may we spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for your love, which is better than life. We thank you that you are the one who draws near to us. We didn't draw near to you. You drew near to us. Your love always comes first. 
And may we be a people who draw near to others. And may we be a people who make others want to draw near to us. And so this week, Lord, help us to be marked by encouragement. May we speak words of life and not death, words of hope and not despair. And may we be your very presence extended to this world. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. As we close, I want to give you just three very simple ways of application, of next steps. Some of you hear this word and you go, okay, what's next here? And I want to give three very simple invitations. The first invitation, very simply, is to not give up meeting together. This is not ideal, what we're in right now. No one wants this. And it's very easy to not want to draw near towards one another in worship. I know worshiping online, Zoom, all that, it's not ideal. But I want to encourage you to cultivate the habit of meeting weekly, of taking an hour on a Sunday and joining people from around this city and raising our voices in our living room, raising our voices in our bedrooms, raising our voices in our workplaces and worship. And so may Sunday gatherings be a fixture in your life with God. I also want to encourage you to move towards one another through the various equipping and learning opportunities. As Pastor Kate mentioned, we have the Emotionally Healthy Discipleship coming, coming up, and we want you to draw near so that we can learn with one another. And then lastly, right after this service, you have an opportunity to draw near towards one another in community. We have something called group meet, to join a small group. And no, you're not signing your life away. And no, you're not going to be meeting with these people for the rest of your life. Maybe you will, maybe not. But we want to move towards one another. And for some of you, we want to just give you a, a very easy step to do that. And so at the end of this service here on, on Zoom, there's a link right on there. Let us move and draw near towards one another. And you can sign up for that. Just jump right in to get connected. As we close, I, I want to remind you that we have our, our prayer uh, room on Zoom. So if you, want, if you need prayer, uh, one of our leaders will be praying for you. Our virtual lobby just to get connected. And if you've never made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, we want you to draw near towards God because God has drawn near towards you. If you've heard this message today and you're wondering, yeah, I, I want to get into a relationship with God. We want to serve you along those lines. There's a phone number on, on this screen here that you can text uh, to. And it says, if you want to make a decision to follow Christ, just text yes to Jesus to that very simple number. And whether you come to new life or not, whether you're watching this from a different part of this country, if you want to make a decision, we want to serve you. We want to help you. If you want to enter into a relationship with God, the curtain has been torn into. You have access to God. So feel free to text to that number and let us serve you. As we close, I want to invite you wherever you're at to open your hands towards heaven. I want to offer a word of blessing over your life. And so with your hands in your hearts, in a posture of receiving, brothers and sisters, sons and daughters of the living God, may the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face to shine upon you and fill you with peace. 
And may you walk out of this online gathering in the power of the Holy Spirit drawing near to God and drawing near to one another. May your life this week be marked by encouragement. And may we as the community spur one another on toward love and good deeds. May we be the kind of church that others want to draw near to. So I bless you all in the strong and the beautiful in the grace-filled name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen. Grace and peace to you, friends. See you next week.